Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> hey everybody, happy Wednesday. Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast. Thank you for listening, thank you for checking it out. Wednesday is just turning into a day I look forward to, because it means I get to talk about one of my favorite things in the world, RPG blogs. Shamelessly addicted, love reading them. So many cool ideas, so many cool discussions, so much talent, and it's just a constant wave of it week after week after week. It is just amazing. So um, if it's your first time checking out this show, every Wednesday I'm talking about RPG blogs. Um, If you've checked out previous episodes, something different is over at my Thought Eater blog, Frothsoft, it's Froth, S-O-F, D&D. Dot blogspot.com. Uh, I'm doing a companion blog post with these now. I should have done this to begin with. I, you know, live and learn. Uh, but at, at any rate, uh, I will mention the, the links and everything on the podcast. But now you can go over to the blog and I'll have all the links there that I mentioned in order for you. So if you like what I'm talking about, you're listening to your car or whatever else, and you want to go over to the Thought Eater blog later. You can check that out, and I'll have all the lists of all the links for you there. So, uh, Lots of awesome stuff to get to this week, so I'm just going to get started. All right, so if you've listened to the uh, Hump Day Blogorama shows before, I always like to lead with stuff about RPG maps. I just love maps. Uh, I'm always saving them. If I see something cool, I, I save it. Uh, who knows how many gigs of, of maps I've got saved on my computer. It's uh, it's shameful, really, but uh, anyway, I want to get started over at batintheattic.blogspot.com. I've talked about Rob Conley's cartography before. He's done some his own products, but he's also um, done some of these updated maps for these Judges Guild products. And if you don't know what Judges Guild is, they were a third-party publisher, maybe one of the first third-party publishers of Dungeons & Dragons stuff back in the 70s and 80s. There was a Kickstarter for the an update of the City State of the Invincible Overlord uh, that went a little haywire, but uh, he did complete his maps that are amazing um, reproductions, color reproductions of the originals. I mentioned the City State of the Invincible Overlord when I did a podcast on Mega Dungeons a while back, and it's this massive city with dozens, if not hundreds, of different unique shops with NPCs, with plot hooks, and it's really a very iconic product. Um, And he put up a post called Keed's City State of the Invincible Overlord PDF that I thought I'd point out. This is available on DriveThru. And so if you've already bought it or gotten it as part of a Kickstarter, they'll be updating it. But what's cool is somebody has gone in and made it to where it's like an interactive PDF where you can hover over one of the shops or whatever, and it will pop up with all the information from the, from the book, which if you've ever actually looked at the product would be a great help because you've got the map and you're trying to flip around and it's, you're trying to find out which street the shops are on or whatever. If you're running this on your, on a tablet or for an online game or, you know, just as however you might be using it, makes it super handy where you don't even really have to reference the book. So it's really awesome if you're a fan of Judges Guild, if you have an old copy of City State or 
PDF or whatever, and uh, we're looking for something neat, uh, this would definitely be useful if you're thinking about running it. Uh, it's really killer. So go over to batintheattic.blogspot.com. Check out the information about the keyed city-state of the Invincible Overlord PDF. Another thing on the mapping front I wanted to mention, and this kind of gets into a little bit of paper craft kind of stuff. Uh, this person over at Crooked Staff Blog, crookedstaff.blogspot.com. I, uh, I recently started a new blog series um, on weekends highlighting uh, free and pay-what-you-want stuff that comes up every week on the um, 5e DM, uh, DMs Guild. And the reason I was doing that is because I would get on that site every once in a while and there'd been, you know, in a week, there's, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of new products, just the free and pay what you want, let alone the pay products. The DMs Guild is just unbelievably successful and just almost incomprehensible to try and start to sort through. It's just thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of products, just thousands. So I'm doing that in a way to kind of highlight stuff that I know is getting lost in the noise, stuff that really was really good quality uh, considering the price and, you know, maybe highlighting people whose stuff, you know, who, who are trying to, you know, make their name a little bit and, and, and everything. So um, just something, and just something to be helpful to consumers too. So anyway, uh, this person, Christian Richards, they put up, I've put up a couple products on the DMs Guild that one of which I highlighted is called Crafting Encounters, and they're like mini encounters. So you get a map and an encounter for 5e, right? Well, what's cool about what they're doing is they're tying that into a second product line that they put out on Drive Through, where it's these print and paste terrain packs uh, by Crooked Staff Terrain is the name of the company, crookedstaff.blogspot.com. Anyway, they're free and pay what you want. And it's, you know, you, you print out the stuff and you kind of mount it on cardboard. And it gives you, if you can't afford Dwarven Forge and some of this amazing, you know, expen amazing yet expensive stuff, this is a low cost option to still make something really cool at your table if you like to use minis and terrain and stuff like that. What I really liked about this post, it's called uh, More Print and Paste Terrain in Another Encounter Room, right? So uh, Christian puts up. A, a video, uh, it's got a link right, you know, embedded video right there from YouTube showing how to cut and mount this stuff and use it and, uh, with pictures and links to some of the other products. So, um, it's kind of, if you run in a game 5e, uh, run it at your table, you want to, you know, have something really special for the, for the table one night, you can pick up the encounter, you can pick up the print and paste terrain, you can have something really unique set up, very memorable. And so uh, with them putting this stuff out free, pay what you want, I thought, hey, I'll try to turn some some heads this way and look at it. Really cool. And the video is a really nice touch. So you go to crookedstaff.blogspot.com and check out that post on more print and paste terrain in another encounter room. Last thing I wanted to share on the maps today, this is unbelievable, a really cool idea, over at the break. Uh, the, it's, a, it's a blog that's designed to be showing the development and everything behind this uh, role-playing game. It hasn't come out yet, called Break, with exclamation point. Uh, the blog is actually Break RPG, break like you're breaking something, breakrpg.blogspot.com, and it's the uh, Icosahedro map. 
So what this is, is a brilliant idea that you have to marvel yeah, that I haven't seen before. You know, it's one of those things that might seem obvious, or, or but you don't see. Um, well, anyway, they took their world map for their game and they broke it into triangles to where it can be folded up into a shape like a 20-sided die, uh, like a icosahedron. And... Uh, so that in and of itself is really cool. There's a picture there and even a picture on the blog. So that in and of itself was a cool idea. But what's even cooler is that when they take it, uh, they show a couple of spreads from the book, you know, work in progress, but they're able to now make the gazetteer have each section be like a triangle, like a different face on the D20. So it's just this really unique, cool idea. Uh, the graphic design is awesome. The whole idea of having this, you know, 20 sided die looking world map that you can have at the table is just awesome. And so this was just something that I was like, Oh man, what a cool idea. Uh, you half expect to see a bunch of games do this after this one comes out maybe because it is such a unique and cool idea. And, uh, I just thought it was really awesome. The whole blog is really cool. If you want to see, uh, uh, a lot of information about what's gone into developing this game and, uh, and uh, so lots of cool reading there, but you go over to breakrpg.blogspot.com. Uh, this was put up on uh, the 5th of February. So that icosahedro map post, uh, really cool, brilliant idea. So what better way to transition from talking about maps into talking about Dyson logos a little bit, because Dyson is, you know, there's a legend, a cartography legend, really, uh, old school circles. Um, it's almost what you picture when you picture uh, an OSR type map would be a Dyson Logos map. And uh, now, you know, expanding his reach from being the uh, cartographer for Dragon Heist, unbelievable work there, uh, gives that whole book a, a unique feel as far as five egos and him and with Tim Horton stuff and the mad mage book, uh, both those books end up being kind of the most kind of classic D and D feeling of, uh, of five E's adventure run so far. So well known for the maps, but also just a really talented artist. And so a few years back on G plus and a little on his blog, he started sharing, these uh, his illuminated first edition monster manual basically he's drawn in the margins of the 1e monster manual adding extra monster stats adding little tidbits expanding on drawings it's just and it's just unbelievable i mean for me it was just like oh my god this is what i i need this in my life this is awesome um what's so weird is that you know He's put up a post now, and I'll get to it in a minute, but he mentions that, you know, he had a lot of pushback from doing this. And it, it's so strange to me that there are some people that, for something I just immediately just loved, and so many other people uh, think is awesome for other people to think that your game books are this, like, holy ground that you can't, you know, draw in or whatever. It's just, you know, wild to me, but... But anyway, so I, I recently joined Twitter. I'm froths off over on Twitter if you ever want to uh, hook up with me. But um, anyway, Mike Shea, who's well known for his Sly Flourish blog and uh, Lazy DM stuff, 
I saw him respond to somebody that was talking about, uh, no, you know, like something about not drawing in your books. And then Mike had tweeted out, you know, something about, you know, Hey, you know, you know, definitely drawing them. Here's a DM tip or something, you know, drawing your books. So I just shared a picture of Dyson's. And the first thing that pops in my mind when I think of someone drawing in their book is, uh, the stuff that Dyson did. Cause it's just one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And, uh, all of a sudden people just started spamming Dyson with, you know, loving it. Can I buy it? I want it. I want it. I want it. So I'm not going to take credit for anything. Really Dyson's talent is Dyson's talent. It's way beyond me, but in my own small way, I'm happy that by posting this, I got him posting more on his blog about it because he went uh, on to his blog and you go over to uh, Dyson Logos, D-Y-S-O-N-L-O-G-O-S dot blog. And he started posting again, my monster manual, the aerial servant and ANCAG. And he mentions a sur surge of attention on the old project. Uh, Wayne of Wayne's books had sent him a free set of classic D and D. If you've never checked out Wayne's books, you can't even, I can't even think of a nicer person, uh, than Wayne of Wayne's books. He's always posting cool, st uh, old, um, uh, old school gaming stuff. Um, if you're looking for something hard to find, I would recommend you try to, you know, maybe track it down there first if you can. Um, but the, it's kind of cut up, you know, Dyson's cut apart this first edition monster manual, and um, is kind of drawing in it and everything and might eventually auction it at some point. My heart sinks when I think about that because I know I'm not going to win that auction. I just can't afford it. I, got, I bet somebody with some deep pockets, uh, a hardcore collector, when they get a load of this, I can see this being some kind of bidding war because this is going to be the most insanely awesome first edition, uh, first edition AD&D monster manual of all time. But... The good news for the rest of us is uh, it looks like Dyson's going to be blogging more about this and putting up the images. So I would just be ready to right-click and save these to your hard drive. Uh, awesome. I put up uh, an image of, of this page. And so it's just it's one of those things that I'm so glad I, he's, he's, he's looking at it again because it um, will always stand in my mind. If anyone ever talks about drawing in their D and D books, anything like that, the first thing that will pop always pop into my mind is the awesome stuff that, uh, Dyson had done with his monster manual. So that is something that I definitely want to highlight and you definitely want to take a look at. Okay. So over the last couple of weeks, the old TSR sci-fi game from the early eighties star frontiers has come up twice. And so I think, you know, when something comes up twice, it's coincidence something comes up three times, I believe they call it synchronicity. So we're in synchronicity territory now with Star Frontiers because over at Tribality, uh, that's T-R-I-B-A-L-I-T-Y, tribality.com, on the 31st of January, they put up a post that is a conversion, you know, converting Star Frontiers into D&D &D 5e. And this is a really, really good post. Apparently it's a kind of a uh, conglomeration collection of some other posts edited and everything compiled all into this one big post, but it's got the races, it's got you know, class stuff, background stuff, weapons, armor, all that kind of stuff converted to 5e. So if you're playing 5e, but love Star Frontiers or want to do a sci-fi version of fifth edition, this is something I definitely recommend, uh, checking out. 
it's really cool. And, um, you know, again, the universe just keeps pushing star frontiers on me. So I don't know what's going on there. I, I guess I got to run it or maybe things get dangerous. Who knows? Um, this tribality side is actually really cool too. If you're, um, if you're interested, um, Brandis Stoddard is one of the writers, it's multiple writers right on this site. So uh, after you check out that Star Frontiers that I linked, if you look at the columns section, there's a there's a kind of a drop down menu and there's a series there that's really cool. That I thought he did a great job on. It's still going on right now called History of the Classes, and that's talking about you know the history of different Dungeons and Dragons classes from original D and D all the way up to 5e so you can follow the fighter through time the monk through time he's doing one right now on the warlord uh so i thought i'd mention that in part two but you know um this star frontier stuff is really cool you want some sci-fi flavor in your fifth edition um check it out i missed out on the fighting fantasy solo game books when i was younger i had choose your own adventure books which come to find out we're really crappy in comparison with all the awesome fighting fantasy stuff that other kids were enjoying. Uh, but if you go over to three toadstools, that's, that's just the number three. So three toadstools.blogspot.com. Uh, and there is an awesome post over there called my heart is happy. And this is Shane Ward that does that blog. And, kind of reminisces a little bit about younger playing the fighting fantasy and advanced fighting fantasy stuff and then um, provides a lot of links about fan rules uh, fan um, adventure sheets um, adventures uh, a map that Dyson logos did for the uh, the famous warlock of firetop mountain game book uh, it talks about Troika, which is like an OSR game that's kind of loosely built, or not loosely, but you know, built on the fight, advanced fighting fantasy rules and then expanded a little bit. Um, so if you're, you want to learn a little bit more, if you're like me, don't know too much about it, wanted to learn a little bit more about it, or if you played with these game books uh, when you were younger and want to see what's going on with them now and maybe see stuff that you weren't aware of, uh, this is definitely a, a cool uh kind of blog post that compiles a lot of handy information with a lot of different links. And so if you're thinking about getting back into it or just reminiscing about it, this would be a great place to start. So you go over to three toadstools.blogspot.com and check out that my heart is happy post. It's good stuff. All right. So as much as I would like to avoid talking about something that's a bummer, I guess we got to talk a little bit about the death of Google plus um, if you're not familiar with what Google Plus is or was, it was Google's attempt to kind of make a social media site, something like Facebook. Uh, never really caught on, but it did catch on for certain groups of people, and one of those was people into RPGs. A lot of role-playing game bloggers, developers of all kinds of games uh, kind of found a home there. There's a lot of communication and collaboration. It was really awesome. I look back at a uh, blog post I put up when I first joined Google Plus, how blown away I was, uh, how like I found a Boot Hill uh, game, TSR's old Boot Hill um, Western game 
a game that I would never a million years, unless I was like Gary Con or something, would ever think I would have an opportunity to play unless I ran it myself. And it's like the first day, it's like, oh, there's a Boot Hill game if you want to join. So it was magical while it lasted, but um, it's going away and they've started taking away functionality, sending out emails and notifications about what's going on and how it's getting shut down. Larry over at the follow me and die dot com blog uh put up a podcast and a, a blog post about it and it kind of shows the one of the notifications google put out on the 30th of january and uh then over at uh, the other side blog that's the other side dot tim s brannon b-r-a-n-n-a-n.com i've mentioned tim's blog before uh tim has a post up called alas google plus and this one goes into detail about how the integration between Blogger and Google Plus is going away. So if you didn't weren't aware, the Blogger platform, like if you see Blogspot in someone's blog, that's what I use as well. It's um, uh, from Google. And a while back, year, some years ago now, they offered the ability to integrate your blog into your Google Plus account so that if you made a post, someone could comment on Google Plus and it would show up on your blog. And and so that was attractive to a lot of people. I never ended up doing it. I kind of half integrated where you could see my followers and that kind of thing on there. Um, I'm not exactly sure why I didn't do it. I think because I kind of assumed that some people might want to make a comment on the post that weren't on Google Plus or something like, you know, I don't know, remember exactly, or maybe I just didn't like the look at it, uh, the look of it, but I'm glad I didn't because now they're just shutting it down and all the comments are gonna be lost. For me, it wouldn't be a big deal. I don't get a ton of traffic or anything, but I've uh, seen a lot of much more well-known bloggers, a lot of comments, and they're kind of going through hell trying to download their con content and kind of reconstitute it on their blogs. And it's just, it really sucks. Uh, I hate it for people. And uh, so, you know, if you go over there, you can read about how that's working. And it's, um, it just, uh, it sucks. It's like, uh, like Larry mentioned, the end of an era. Uh, but stuff always changes. Um, and I thought I would mention a couple of positives that are happening as a result of it going away. If you can imagine such a thing existing, but, uh, over at the, well, first, if you haven't heard the, of the Hydra cooperative, um, this is a group of designers, artists that, um, kind of release stuff under a shared label and, kind of cross promote each other and they're all really talented. And, um, one of, uh, the folks, uh, Chris Kutulik, um, or it might be Kutalik. Don't know Chris personally. So I uh, hope I didn't butcher the name. I'll say Chris Kutalik. Um, anyway, um, Chris has released several really well-received um, books, Fever Dreaming Marlinko, Slumbering Ursine Dunes, just to name a couple of them. Uh, newest book is uh, What Ho, Frog Demons. Uh, so they're all set in Chris's homeworld, the Hill Cantons. And uh, over at the Hill Cantons, hill, C-A-N-T-O-N-S dot blogspot.com, for a long, long time, years, uh, Chris has been publishing stuff about um, his campaign world there. So Chris just 
recently, he mentions as he was going backwards through all of his Google Plus archiving, um, all of his old posts, he was rediscovering a lot of the Hill Canton stuff. So there's a post up called The World of the Hill Cantons Revisited. And if you own some of these books like Slumbering Earths and Dunes or Misty Isles of the Eld and wanted to know more about the world but checked out the blog and it's so sprawling and so much there, you had no idea where to start, this is a great starting point to get a more you know better idea about the world if you're going to run one of those adventures or feature some of that stuff in there. And uh, it's just really impressive too if you're into seeing other people's homebrew or things that they've made up or world building and um, with with a unique flavor this is uh, a lot of it's kind of dreamlike and strange and highly creative so um, you know who knew with Google Plus dying that something you know positive is going to come out of it I mean I do think positive things will come out of it people are blogging more um, and that kind of scene you can feel that kind of coming back and i think that is a good thing blogs did get a little ne neglected as a result of uh, google plus but um uh, getting to see stuff like this where people are finding stuff that they had forgotten about or reminding them of things and putting it back up uh, i think that's really cool so go over to hillcantons.blogspot.com check out the world of the hill cantons revisited this and you know, in the same on the same note, um, Trey Causey, who is uh, part of the Hydra Cooperative, um, did uh, Strange Stars, which is like a sci-fi thing. Uh, Weird Adventures um, is probably a book some a lot of people know. It's kind of a um, mismatch of pulp, uh, mismatch of um, pulp fantasy you know weird stuff it's kind of got a 1930s meets high fantasy meets just you know weird meat grinder feel to it i don't know if i'm doing a good job describing it but weird adventures is the book anyway trey put up a post called omniverse over on uh the sorcerer's skull blog from the sorcerer's skull so that is sorcerer's skull .blogspot.com. It's called Omniverse. And again, this is another thing that ties into Google Plus going away. Uh, mentions that did a series of superhero-themed posts on Google Plus. Um, with Google Plus in its death throes, I exported these posts, and they're now blog posts here. So, again, with Google Plus going away, uh, the loss is in some ways our gain because there are all these posts about uh, superhero stuff. A little essays, a little weird flavor. Um, and the whole idea is that, um, Marvel, DC and everything is all on one earth. And, um, so you see some familiar names and stuff like that. Trey's just a really creative writer. And so it's just cool stuff to read and, uh, kind of see a little bit of how Trey's mind works and, um, maybe get some ideas for a superhero game and just, you know, or just have fun reading them. So unfortunately, um, you know, we're losing Google plus, uh, but, um, something, some good things are coming of it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I don't know if I'm doing a very good job of saying it though. All right. So enough of that. Let's talk about something happy. Let's talk about something good. <laughs> let's cleanse ourselves of that. Uh, let's talk about random tables. 
because I love random tables. It doesn't matter the genre, system, time period, setting, whatever. I love random tables. They um, can inspire creativity, give you great ideas for your adventure campaign. Uh, used on the fly, they can really help sharpen your improvisation skills, and they eject uh, much in the same way that uh, other die rolls in a game. They inject uncertainty, unpredictability into situations. So, I I love them, and so it was almost like having my birthday this week. Went over at the face ripping blog. This is Cosmic Heroes dot space um, face ripping after. Uh, um, named after the old TSR Marvel superheroes game. Um, anyway, put up a post DIY discord Gygaxian democracy archive. So that's a mouthful. I'll tell you what it means. There is a discord server, the DIY discord that a lot of uh, Google plus folks uh, migrated to um, over there. They are collaborating on a lot of different things, uh, a steady stream of random tables amongst them. And this is, when I say steady stream, this is well over, well over a hundred, it looks like, at least. There's a Google Doc with all these kind of collected for you, handy dandy. And it's, you know, unusual random tables to say the least. D20 weird dimensions whose descriptions are one sentence. D12 legendary foods. Um, D10 cult initiations. D29 wizard body mods. Um... D20 foodstuffs of the decadent rich. Uh, D15 table of fallen angels. And it goes on and on and on. So if these are much more in the vein of, um, you know, inspiration for scenarios and, and, and that kind of thing that maybe something you would automatically reach for all the time on a table. But it's just, uh, you know, oozing with creativity and gameable ideas and uh to have it all in one place combined into one document and you just easily download it as a pdf and have hundreds of new uh, new and varied random tables it's just so awesome i was compelled to share it so uh you got to get over to cosmic heroes dot space Check out the DIY Discord Gygaxian Democracy Archive, which is, uh, you know, just get over there and get it, I guess is what I'm trying to tell you. Other random table stuff came up in my blog rolls and my blog feeds and everything, and I thought I'd mention them too. A blog I had not remembered checking out before, uh, Triple Suns. This is triplesuns.blogspot.com. Um put up a really evocative list of 20 forest locations. It's kind of dark, kind of bleak. Uh, you know, one is like the forest is silent here. Dead birds litter the ground. Um, one, the alder trees are crawling with pale larvae that eat their leaves and spin milky cocoons from the naked branches. It's really kind of poetic, kind of a dark, grim, poetic, almost uh, folklore feel to it. But I really liked the writing here. And, um, Wanted to give this blog a shout out because I had not seen, um, had not taken a look at it before, um, or at least not in detail. And uh, the writing kind of stood out to me. I thought it was kind of darkly beautiful. And so I thought you might want to go over to triplesuns.blogspot.com and check out that 20 Forest Locations post. And then uh, Claytonian JP over at the Kill It With Fire RPG.blogspot.com blog. 
put up a kind of an ironic post, uh, D12 OSR RPG blog titles, um, uh, that for example, the inverted ziggurat, which has got to be a blog, right? And then one of them that I just thought was really funny was I'm going to, you know, the name of the blog title would be, I'm going to spam this gaming blog to all groups and forums every time. And I was like, ouch, you got me because I, you know, you got to self promote a little bit. I know he's not referring to me necessarily, but probably people like me, but Hey, you got to try to stand out amongst the noise and put your stuff out there a little bit. Right. But ow. Uh, anyway, one was, uh, I liked was keep on the brackets rolled one D 100 lands. Um, so anyway, it was just kind of funny. Um, Claytonian does some stuff for, uh, dungeon crawl classics, uh, really good artist as well. Um, uh, really cool art. So if you haven't been over to kill it with fire, check that out. Kill it with fire, rpg.blogspot.com. Okay. So I saved this one for last cause it'd probably be the most difficult for me to kind of articulate my ideas on, but I'm going to give it a shot. Um, Ben Milton is a pretty well-known, um, name amongst, uh, people in the old school games. Um, Ben has made a couple of really creative games, um, that are, uh, you know, enjoying popularity, Maze Rats and Nave. Uh, also does a, has a YouTube channel, Questing Beast, where uh, Ben does uh, reviews of different products kind of inspired by old school games. And uh, really gifted at, uh, you know, both Nave and Maze Rats are kind of, you know, very short games, but they pack a lot in. So very gifted at being able to clearly, as opposed to me, he, he can articulate his thoughts clearly and concisely as opposed to froth, which is the opposite, which is part of the reason I'm called froth. Anyway, uh, you know, for example, I saw one of Ben's videos doing the uh, review of uh, Greg Gillespie's Archaea kind of linear mega dungeon, and um, it's this, you know, sprawling book that would take years to run through, and uh, Ben was able to clearly um, describe it and, and, and make sense of it in just a matter of minutes. So it's a real gift. If, uh, if you listen to this, Ben, you're, you, you have a, a, a really gift at that. Anyway, this week on the questing blog, questingblog.com, Ben put up a post called adventure game versus OSR. And the idea here is being able to summarize different kinds of games in a single term and how OSR as a term is maybe, uh, maybe not, not a great term to use, right? Um, mentions that it implies the game is compatible with early D and D, which is often not the case. To many people, OSR means a style of play, but the term doesn't really give you any indication of what it is, that sort of thing. And goes on to say, that uh, Ben likes the idea of referring to these kind of games as adventure games instead. And um, so there's a lot of conversation on there. Someone mentions calling it a tabletop adventure game. So someone posted tag like uh, an acronym instead of OSR like a tag. Now this is kind of coming on the heels of 
this recent OSR survey that I believe Ben had a part of actually, um, but that has been coming out on the Necropraxis blog that I mentioned last week um, as that information has kind of come out. Um, uh, well, here, here's the way I would say it, because um, I've been thinking about how to approach talking about this. I My degree is in anthropology. So I uh, one of the things I really responded to back in my college days was the idea of cultural relativism. And I try my best to see things from more than one side, okay? Uh, or to look at it from more than one perspective. Uh, my first reaction to reading this post was that adventure game, uh, just you know, using that as a moniker for something, that it's entirely too broad, so broad that it's almost meaningless. That was my initial gut reaction, right? But I wanted to think about it a little bit uh, more deeply. And so going back to the um, survey, okay? So one of the things anthropologists did in the 60s and even more recently, uh, one tool they would use is called a color wheel. And so they would go to different cultures, present the color wheel, and the idea was to get, uh, to kind of catalog the different terms for colors that different cultures, groups of people had. Because it's only in uh, very industrialized societies, really like ourselves, that you have a billion different ter color terms, like, uh, you know, think about Crayola box, like burnt sienna, right? A lot of places don't have a burnt sienna. Um, in fact, you know, some cultures, groups of people, you know, might see everything we might call, you know, from pink to yellow to orange to red to purple. We have all these, you know, violet, whatever. They might just call a lot of that just red, you know, one term. Okay. Um, and incidentally, you know, they might have a lot of different other terms for like the patterns on cow hides and things like that, you know, but I digress. The point is they still see the colors, but the terminology is a little bit different. So with this OSR survey that came out, I was a little bit surprised by things cause it shows you what most people agree on, but it also shows you a lot of the differences, what people consider OSR, right? And for me, I always felt, I always considered the original game as well as the clones as OSR. So not just uh, Labyrinth Lord, but also BX, or not just Osric, but also first edition AD&D. Um, also, some people did not agree whether anything but really D&D related games was OSR. But for me, they were. So take it a different step, you know, another step further. I think of Cepheus, uh, Cepheus Engine, which is a Traveler clone. I see Cepheus Engine as OSR. And I see Traveler as OSR, right? So in thinking about that, uh, the term OSR much like red and my other analogy means different things for different people. Some are seeing the yellows, the oranges, the purples, while others are just seeing red, right? 
So, as much as, you know, when I'm starting to think about adventure game being so, uh, you know, broad as to be meaningless, when I really think about my own definition of what OSR is, it becomes kind of like not something that's very easy for me to describe to someone. It's kind of like, oh, what's OSR? Well, I know it when I see it. So is that really helpful? Is that any less amorphous than adventure game? Now, on the flip side, if I Google OSR game, I have at least a ballpark idea of what I'm going to get. If I just Google adventure game, you know, it's not the case. I also think that as much as some people in the OSR survey kind of with their answers try to downplay the marketing aspect of OSR, I do think that there that is an important component. I think that, for example, for me as a consumer, if somebody puts out a game and it says OSR game, I'm much more likely to at least take a look at it and see what it's all about than I would be if someone just said it's just, you know, an RPG game, uh, because that's kind of mainly what I play is, uh, what I grew up on, you know, and what, you know, I like all kinds of games, but I really like old school style games. Uh, that's kind of nostalgic. That's kind of what I've played the most. That's kind of what's kind of in my blood, I guess. So there's that component to it too. But then there's another component, which is a little bit tougher to talk about. And I, it doesn't get into it at all on, on the Questing Beast blog. This is just me kind of telling you my thoughts now. But I think that I mean, I've seen this. People state this, so I know it's there. I think that some people don't really, as much as they like making stuff that's compatible with um, old school games and things like that, there are some people, I think, that no longer want that OSR term, you know, stamped on their stuff or to feel associated with it. And, uh, part of this, I can go back to like a Google plus, uh, analogy. Part of this is, uh, you know, it take two people joining Google plus, you know, two hours apart for the first time, you know, someone could join there, run into some OSR people, get welcomed, have someone immediately want to support their stuff, get invited into a game, get invited to a collaborative collaborative project and walk away from it just saying, oh my gosh, OSR people are the most awesome. You know, this is awesome. What a great community. A different person could run into, you know, some folks and have a totally different experience uh, with more, you know, trolling, um, negativity, uh, name calling, and, and stuff like that. Now, it's a, not a large portion or no one would want to be associated with OSR at all. Uh, and every fandom to some extent is going to have, you know, just ends up having, uh, that kind of presence, you know, somewhere there. I'm just saying that what I've observed conversations that I think that some people are ready, um, to have a different term, for what they put out because they've, uh, you know, they've been turned off enough, uh, by some people. That's just the way it is. Now, do I think tabletop adventure game is a 
the best name or am I ready to say, hey, yep, let's stop calling it OSR? No, because like I said, I think that OSR still does a better job, at least at this point, as broad as it is, of at least signifying some aspect of, you know, having a little bit more meaning behind it. But if a lot of people started putting tabletop adventure game or tag as a label like OSR on their stuff, and some of the bigger creators, well-known people started doing it and it started to gain more meaning, who knows? So, do I have any big answers here or philosophical breakthroughs through you, uh, for you? No, I don't. Um, but I did thought, you know, think I wanted to share my thoughts, try to express myself a little bit, try to bring that multiple perspective sort of viewpoint attitude to it. Because I've just felt like it was a really interesting conversation going on there. So I, I think you should go over there, check it out, read it, see what he's got to say, read through some of the comments. There are a lot of people commenting on there whose names you will likely recognize, uh, people that are designers, artists. Um, and uh, so it's just an interesting conversation to have. Uh, what happens with it from here is to be determined, but I thought it was interesting. And what I wanted to end with today... Um, because it was going to be the, <laughs> the hardest one for me to organize my thoughts and express myself while talking about. So there you have it. So, wow, there you have it. <clears throat> Quite a show today. Took some effort with this one today. I feel like just a little exhausted from it, but, uh, feel good about it. Enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Um, if you enjoy listening to it, if you like this idea and you know anybody else you think would enjoy it the biggest way you could say hey i like this froth or the biggest way you could thank me would be to share it with somebody else let them know about it um you can if you're using the anchor app you can easily call in and leave me a comment i'll feature it on a upcoming show if you want to send me an email you can email me at frothsoft uh, froth sof frothsoft at gmail.com Always check out the Thought Eater blog, frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. Follow me on Twitter. I joined Twitter just a couple weeks ago. I'm following all kinds of awesome people over there. It's a really cool way to interact with RPG people. I'm just following nothing but RPG people over there. Maybe a couple of comedians, but uh, Frothsoft over on Twitter. I'd love to connect with you there. And um, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, if you... Follow my podcast and are following the Night Below playthroughs. Just a reminder, uh, we were off last week. I'll be off next week because I'll be out of town. So those won't be back till um, that following uh, Sunday after this coming weekend. So if you're enjoying those, they're coming back. We just haven't played for a couple weeks because I've, I've been out of town and had stuff going on. So anyway, I will see you guys next week. Uh, thanks for listening and talk to you next time.